Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And this is where we talk about what's new and what's next in e-commerce. I am super excited about my guest today and the topics, plural, that we'll be talking about. This is going to be a little bit of an e-commerce smorgasbord, if you will. We're going to be diving into all kinds of different things, a potpourri maybe, of e-commerce topics. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. Hey, that's my company. Uh, OMG Commerce is the primary underwriter of the e-commerce evolution podcast, and we're excited to do that, excited to bring this content to you. A quick offer from OMG Commerce. We are a Google Premier Partner, so we're in the top 3% of all Google partners, one of the fastest growing in the world last year. Uh, if you would like a second set of eyes on your Google campaigns, whether that's Google Shopping, Search, YouTube, Remarketing, or the like, we would love to talk to you. Love to schedule a strategy session, love to look at your campaigns and provide ideas for improvement. Also, Amazon. We would love to talk to you about your Amazon ad strategy and have an Amazon audit for you, uh, complimentary for listeners of the e-commerce evolution podcast. Our Amazon department is led by Mr. Chris Tyler to find out more about the way we approach Amazon campaigns. Go back and check out episode 39 as we do a deep dive and look at Amazon advertising. But we would love to help you with either of those traffic sources. And so if you're interested, go to omgcommerce.com, click on any of the services, and there's a quick form to fill out right there. And now back to the show. My guest, we recently got to hang out in uh, San Diego at Traffic and Conversion Summit, I believe it was. Uh, but this is Miss Tracy Wallace. She's the editor-in-chief at Big Commerce, creating some amazing content. If you don't follow her uh, at the Big Commerce blog, you have to do that. You have to follow her on Twitter as well. Really just cranking out good information on hot topics, relevant topics. And so we're going to explore some of those topics today. So I'm delighted to welcome Tracy. Tracy, how's it going? It's going so, so good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed our chat in San Diego. And so thought immediately, man, got to get her on the podcast. So glad you could make time and, and make this happen. Well, man, if you if you were chatting in San Diego, you, you really can't go wrong. That place is just amazing. It's true. It's true. One of my favorite places on the planet that I've been to. Uh, just no, always, always good weather, you know, good people, good food, yeah, well, tacos. I don't know if you knew this, but that weekend that we were there was the very first weekend that birds had launched there. So I don't know if you're paying attention to all the insanity that, that's happening right now where birds, those electric scooters are being deployed in a bunch of different cities across the country. Austin, where I'm based, is one of them now. And I think Santa Monica, San Diego, um, there might even be some out in Oakland where I just came from. But um, my first experience with birds were was in San Diego. So these are just like the electric scooter, scooters. You can rent them for a dollar and go like 15 miles an hour and like go wherever you want. Rent them um, for a dollar, literally a dollar? A dollar a mile. Sorry. Dollar a mile. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes <laughs> um, sense. But man, they are just so much fun. Like I'm not. Uh, I, I'm so in love. I know there's going to be regulation coming down hard on them soon. They are in the news like crazy right now. But for everybody listening, if you have not tried birds, I'm a big supporter. Go try a bird. Nice. <laughs> I did them. not. Uh, I don't know that I saw those. I definitely saw the place where you could rent a bike. And, yeah. and actually, my my business partner had this idea for our booth. We, we had a trade show booth at 
Traffic and Conversion Summit. And so he actually rented a bike, rode downtown, got this sign and came back. But I didn't see the scooters. That does that sounds like A, a lot of fun and B, like a few lawsuits waiting to happen. <laughs> it does. Burns. I know. I, I keep saying that to everyone that I recommend it to. I'm like, go try it now before like someone ruins it for us. Like <laughs> yeah. birds, like yeah. there, there's a reason we don't have nice things like this. Right, right. I've never, uh, I've never ridden a scooter. I think it'd be a ton of fun. I don't really fit all that well. I'm 6'3", about, about 220. So like a scooter isn't my natural mode of transportation, but I, I'm totally down to give it a try. I would so. encourage you to download that bird app and see if there are any birds near you. All right. All right. It's, like, it's like I work for them. Anyway. This is like a, this is like a free tip. So we're, And I mentioned we're going to cover a lot of e-commerce topics. This is just a little bonus. Get out and uh, enjoy a bird. So. Yeah. Um, so there we go. So uh, you're the editor in chief at Big Commerce, which is phenomenal. You guys really put out some amazing content. Uh, but let's get a little bit of the backstory. Like, how, how did you get to this place of being, you know, a content rock star? Give us the, the Tracy Wallace backstory. So I uh, started my career working for a company that's actually now a, a big commerce customer. They're called NaturallyCurly.com. Um, it is a natural hair care company. And I was their uh, content marketer, or content writer at the time and really helped them grow to about a million organic uh, sessions uh, a month, which was huge back when I back when I first started. They, they've been doing content and commerce for a long time. So they have like a curly hair store as well. So I was helping to promote those products and doing a bunch of e-commerce work there. Um, but that work got me noticed by um, Elle magazine. Wow. Yeah. Well, so back then, this was, gosh, what, 2010? Back in 2010, um, major media publications like Elle, so anything under the Hearst or Condé Nast, um, I guess just labels or uh, under their umbrellas, um, they weren't doing great at hiring super diverse people. Um, so people with, um, so, so when they would publish articles about how to take care of curly hair, for instance, um, most of the writers like didn't have curly hair themselves. So had like absolutely no idea how to do it. And it was great for empathy, right? Great for, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. And so like the content was just really wrong and naturally curly was um, a niche public pu publisher that, that was getting it right. Right. And building a community. And uh, honestly, there, there's so many ways that the world is just cyclical. It's all coming back in in a bunch of cool ways. But um, anyways, they uh, reached out to me had an internship opening. I was what, like 22. And they're like, do you want to come work for free in New York City and write about curly hair for Elle magazine? And I'm like, duh. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> of course. Where, where I can do. I sleep? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I moved to New York, um, worked for them, did the internship for three months. Um, my like big achievement there was that like the editor in chief of Elle once told me that a tweet I wrote was the best tweet ever. Um, wow. I was, yeah, I was... I, Anyway, um, that's so like t-shirt material, you know, best tweet ever for Elle magazine. That's you. Uh, that, I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. I was like tweeting out to like 1.2 million people. I think it, it was something like sad, like, like somebody had like gotten hurt near the empire state building. And I think all I said was like our deepest sympathies or something. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's Simple, not an profound. impressive. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I went from there, um, to working for a startup. Uh, it was a startup right, right outside of, um, Y Combinator. So they had just left Y Combinator about a month before I joined called Shoptiques. Um, the, the, they still have a, a platform. It's still, you know, live and going. Um, they were Y Combinator's first ever fashion brand that, that went through Y Combinator. Um, but they really weren't a fashion brand. They were um, a technology company. They essentially, and still do to this day, 
reach out to boutiques around the world and um, help those boutiques get online. Now, not in the way that like BigCommerce or Shopify might help somebody um, in that you set up your own thing. Instead, Shoptique says, send us your clothes, um, send us your items. We will photograph them here in New York City on like really great models. And we will get like a web page up for you in a like specific URL just for your store. Um, and you can send traffic there. So essentially, Shoptique's like manages everything. All you have to do is like send them your clothes. Um, super cool concept. Uh, but big commerce and like Shopify, like didn't exist or like weren't well known at those at that time. Um, so Shoptique's built their own technology. So I, I was constantly in the back end working on, you know, custom e-commerce software as, as well as in a custom CMS software. So we weren't using WordPress or anything. We, we had built our own. Um, got me super familiar with all of the like custom cart complaints that exist out there. Like, why is it so hard to launch a discount code? Why does that take me a month to actually do? Um, same problems over at Shoptiques. We could not launch discounts easily. We couldn't do merchandising easily. Um, SaaS just like wasn't a thing that that really existed at the time, or at least that 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 we had known of. So yeah, it seemed, I was seemed like simple problems, but but not so simple to execute, especially not at scale yeah. uh, for SaaS. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah, it, it was crazy. And, and you're paying a whole lot of money to to a developer. In our case, in Shoptique's case, um, our developer, I think we had four of them in Australia and we were based in New York City. And so every night we'd have a list of things that like we wanted, you know, by the next morning when we got to work to allow our e-commerce platform to like work the way that we wanted it to. Um it was nuts. So I went from there to working for Mashable for a while. Um, and really at the time when I was at Mashable, I was writing about, um, I mean, to be like super candid and honest with everyone here, by that point in time, I'd been in the fashion and beauty world for a while. And what you're doing in the fashion and beauty world, and I like big respects and props to people who do this constantly, but you you were like convincing women to like buy things, right? And, and for yeah. me, I was like, honestly, like I... I don't want to convince people to buy a little black dress that they might not actually need. Like I, right. I, I want to cover more about technology. I want to talk about the things that are really helping to solve problems in, in people's lives. So um, I had a friend that worked at Mashable. Her and I would get wine and talk about that. And she was like, look, we have a role opening up for somebody to cover what was called then the intersection of retail or the, the intersection of uh, retail and technology, which nice. is e-commerce as we know yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went over there and I interviewed folks like Tristan Walker, who ended up launching Bevel, um, the founder of Juanilo, um, a bunch of cool folks like that. And got a bunch of really great articles out there. And it was really my first foray into writing about technology. Um, beforehand, I was, you know, working on technology quite a bit, but not actually writing about it. Um, and then from there, kind of had a quick stint in the big data world, which was all technology based. Um, had like a proud moment when like Verizon at one point sent me a cease and desist talking about their poor data, like uh, awareness practices, essentially what Facebook's going through now. Nice. Making friends with the corporate attorneys. I like that. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rustling some feathers. Yeah. And then I then I landed up over here uh, at Big Commerce and I've been at Big Commerce for gosh, three and a half years. And when I first got here, we were solely focused on the small business world. Um, and within maybe my first six months being here was with the company as as the company transitioned to focus in addition very heavily on the mid-market and, and enterprise space as well. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, seeing how big commerce has, has kind of moved up market and then serving more of that that mid tier and enterprise 
e-commerce, which has been interesting. And and like I mentioned, I mean, you guys are doing phenomenally well with content. And so just kind of let people know where we're going. We're going to hit on a, a number of topics uh, because I think you're in this unique space where you get to you get to talk to a lot of successful merchants. You're writing about a lot of hot topics. I just want to dive into a few of those. So to give people a little bit of a, a roadmap of where we're heading, we're going to talk about social influencers. We're going to talk about e-commerce funnels. We're going to talk payments. Uh, kind of hit a variety of, of hot topics right now. But I'd like to frame this by just talking about content marketing as a whole for a minute, because that, that's what you do. You're an expert at that. Um, and this is something that I think most e-commerce companies don't do that well. Um, you know, it's kind of half-hearted attempts or they highlight a product here or there. But really, you know, e-commerce companies doing good content marketing, it's, it's relatively rare. Um, but talk about your approach to content marketing, because... You guys, it seems like as, as I go through the blog and I, I highlighted several things, you know, that I wanted to talk about, like you're hitting on the hot topics. This is stuff that, that we want to read about. So how do you approach that? How do you, how do you find a topic and, and what are kind of your philosophies on content marketing as a whole? Yeah. Um, well, so I guess first I, I want to say that content marketing for a technology company and content marketing for an e-commerce company um, are, are very different, though there are some key tenets that are always important across the board. So one of those is on our blog, we do not write anything that does not have a keyword purpose. Like everything that we put out um, is link is is helping us to fill either a keyword gap or to move us up in Google ranking for whatever topic it is that we're talking about, um, whether that's a new product launch, whether that's us updating content, whether that's us writing a new piece of content, um, keywords and and how we're doing on individual keywords, especially keywords that are important to the company um, is, is where we start, right? Um, and that's because it doesn't matter how good the content is that you produce. If nobody finds it, it's a waste of time. Um, like you, you need people to be able to find it. And most people, when they are searching for things online, are using Google to do that. Um, and Google uses an algorithm, as we all know, to rank content. Um, and so uh, that, that content does always need to be really, really, really good. Uh, Google's algorithms are getting better and better and not, not becoming more human-like, but they're understanding what humans like more, right? Yes. And so ranking that content higher. So um, your content does always need to be really good. But um, we we always start with keywords. Um, so we do um, regular keyword audits, uh, content audits, as well as keyword gap analyses. Um, and for any new product launches, same same kind of stuff, right? If we know that we are going to launch something um, around like a, a like one page checkout, for instance, right? Um, we're going to go through and we're going to do a bunch of e-commerce checkout keyword research and figure out, okay. What do people care most about this? What things does this product actually hit? How can we talk about this in an intelligent way? And how can we make sure that the way we talk about it both matches what we know readers want to see and what they like, as well as what the Google bots want to see and what they like? Because if you aren't pleasing the Google bots, it's going to be real hard to get people to find your stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So are you, how are you then finding the hot topics? Are you just you know, paying attention to, to Twitter and social media and events and you're talking to merchants and, and you're just listening uh, for trends or, or how are you picking your topics? Yeah. So, um, a few ways. Um, one I, I, I do, I talk to a bunch of merchants 
all the time. I have a call. Um, I have a like hard stop here with you in a little bit because I'm hopping on a call with a customer. Um, happens all the time. I probably talk to at least uh, like five, you know, exec level uh, uh, employees at businesses making, you know, more than 10 mil um, in, in annual revenue. And for me, that's super important because it does it. It helps me understand what these people really care about, what is really important to them. Um, but I also am on calls with, you know, folks like you, right? So I, I'm well connected to to experts and consultants and even, you know, partners like Amazon and Facebook and, and know the stuff that's going on over there. Um, so a lot of it is, and I guess, I guess actually to give a little bit of background, my, I, I come from a, a family business background. So my grandfather in 1956 started um, a, co- a company. It's a B2B company, a, a cotton and pillow company. So we sell cotton and pillows uh, to a bunch of hotel chains and interior designers um, all across the South. Um, if you have stayed anywhere on the Gulf Coast, you may have laid your head on one of our pillows. Nice. I, <laughs> yeah. haven't, I have indeed done that. So uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank your family. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I so I come very much from this um, world in which I grew up in a family business. Um, when for anybody who you know is part of a family business um, or who's running a business, it, business talk doesn't stop at the end of the day. It happens over dinner. It happens at Christmas. It it happens all the time. And so right. I, I grew up knowing what was frustrating, knowing what was confusing, um, and really understanding just like the, the the value that a family business brings and the challenges that come with it. Um, so I think that kind of background growing up that way does help me identify a little bit in terms of what I think is super important. Rarely do me and my, my keyword guy... Um, argue. There are a few things that we argue on. Dropshipping is one, and we can always talk about that later. Um, Dropshipping has a lot of search traffic, um, but I'm not somebody who's necessarily convinced that that dropshipping is... um, um, I, I don't know, just just something incredibly additive yeah, to yeah. to the world. I, I anyway. agree. I agree. Yeah. There's the, and there's nothing wrong with it uh, inherently. Yeah. It's a separate topic, but I think uh, the longevity of it. There's a lot of pressure on dropshippers. I think it's not. It's not the best path to the future, and probably not the best path for great content either. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I would I would argue with your your keyword guy on that. Thank you. Um, I'm sure he would love to hear that. Yeah, sorry, dude. Um, yeah, so there's the, there's not a lot that that him and I argue on. Like there there are clear things that are very important to people, right? Um, any type of marketing or advertising for your business are incredibly important because the technology is getting a lot easier. Um, it, the techno- technology SaaS in general is lowering the bar to entry um, across the board. Whether that's in e-commerce, whether that's in content marketing, you know, you have like fabulous Word, WordPress setups, right? So. Um, Instead, what so many business owners or e-commerce managers or directors of marketing are focusing on heavily is the marketing and advertising side. So that is that's the stuff that that we cover as in depth as we possibly can. I always think about and keep in mind um, my my family and a bunch of the stuff, honestly, that I'm writing. If if they could not understand it, if they cannot grasp it, if it is not something that would appeal to them or help them understand their spot better in the world and what's changing and how quickly it's changing and why what I'm talking about is important, then I'm not going to publish it. Um, we we have very, very strict guidelines on that. Yeah, that, what an awesome reference. And and uh, yeah, you, you get the living in a, or growing up in a family of business owners and entrepreneurs, you you learn things that, you know, if, if you didn't grow up in that environment, you just can't learn. Uh, and you're right, like business doesn't shut off when, when you come home. 
it's, it's always the topic of conversation. So that that's a, what a great example. Um, let's uh, let's back up just a little. Oh, and one one thing I want to kind of emphasize really quickly, and then I want to look at merchants who are doing this well, uh, content marketing. I, I think you know if you want to create content that reaches people at scale. You have to do things that that don't scale, right? You have to talk to customers. You're you're getting on the phone and talking with customers and talking to experts, and you have to network and go to events and do things that don't that don't scale, right? That you know right. you, that are very labor and time intensive. But that's right. what allows you to create content that does reach a mass market. And, right. Um, I, I will say one of one of the things that that I require of of my content folks here is that when we hire new folks, they go through the full product training, which is a two week product training. The same thing. Our support team goes through the same thing that our sales guys go through. Um, for me, that is incredibly important because never should any piece of content that we put out tell or recommend tell someone to do something or recommend a tactic that isn't actually possible to do on our technology, which then requires our content team to understand APIs incredibly well, to understand exactly what our platform does incredibly well. Talking to customers is very helpful in that because customers can do some cool stuff that I would have never thought of. Right. Like, show me how you did it and like hopping on the back end to see. But that aspect of it is is super important for me in, in terms of being somebody who works at a technology company is if, if I truly am being a, a thought leader, if I truly am trying to help people, then I should never be recommending something that you can't actually do or that or that is prohibitive to do, right? Yep, That's going to yep. force you to, to spend more time or money to, to, to accomplish. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. So uh, last point on kind of the content marketing topic, some merchants that are doing this well. So you have the unique privilege of, of interviewing and talking to merchants that are really excelling at a lot of things, but, but who do you pay attention to? Or if someone's out there listening, saying, man, I'd like to see, I get how you're doing this, Tracy, for technology and for the e-commerce industry as a whole, but what are other merchants that are, that are really excelling at content marketing? Who would you point out? I can point out some people here in a second, but I will give something like very tactical for, for folks listening right now. Um, mobile commerce is increasing. Um, that you, I don't think you are going to see that stop, especially with digital wallets on the rise. So payment is really helping to, to ease the concern and the fear at checkout there. So what you see a lot of brands doing, the brands that are doing content marketing well, and this is why earlier I started with technology, content marketing, and e-commerce mar- e- content marketing are very different because I write long-form educational posts on how to do something. Um, that's not necessarily what you should be doing as an e-commerce brand. There there might be times when, when that makes sense, but I would say first and foremost, if you have not gone through your product catalog and built each one of your product pages, and I know for people who have tons of SKUs, you're going to like be very by what I'm about to say. Um, But if you have not gone through and turned each one of your product pages into essentially a landing page, so including um, graphics, like like breakdown graphics of how the product was built, showcasing videos on how people can use it, getting more customer reviews, more visible, like similar to what you would do on your homepage to introduce someone to your brand. um, That is what you need to be doing on your product page. And that is because more and more people, especially through mobile, um, though I, though I believe this is going to be happening a lot more on desktop as well. More and more people are landing on your product page before they ever land on your homepage, if they ever even see your homepage. That means that they are meeting your brand and that they are deciding to like choose that product or not on that product page. And if you don't have enough information there, or if that product page isn't ranking well in search, you, you're, you're losing out. Your, your competitors are, are, are going to win there. I, I tell people this all the time. 
Amazon is the commodity market of our time. It does not make sense for brands not to be selling on Amazon. For many brands, you're going to make more money on Amazon. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have your your own website because your own website helps you to collect emails, which helps you to build brand equity. Um, But that means that if Amazon is a commodity market, if they are selling products, probably even your product for the lowest possible price and oftentimes wrapping it in their branding, though there are cases when that doesn't happen, then that means back on your individual website, you need to be building um, an additional experience, an additional reason, something more, right? Your website isn't a commodity. It's about conveying value. Uh, And the only way that you do that is through really, really great content marketing and turning those product pages into real assets that, that, that you can use. Yeah, I could not agree more. Uh, you just wrote a piece or updated a piece on Google Shopping, which I'm a huge yeah. fan of. And actually, I, I think you quoted me in the in the article, which is great. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thank but you. yeah, absolutely. So, but more, there are more opportunities like that, like with Google Shopping or or you know product ads on Facebook, where people yep. their first introduction to you is the product detail page. And we we run into a lot of merchants that the that PDP is pretty. Sp- you know, um, pretty sparse. It's just not a lot of compelling content there. Well, could not agree more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll say right now, most, most of the brands that are doing that, that product page stuff really well are not the like name brands that, you know, Mm -hmm. those folks, the, the, like the long-term brands, they are like just catching on to this stuff. Um, they also have a lot more SKUs, like, you know, thousands of SKUs and they gawk when I'm like, you need to turn each one of those into product pages. And they're like, we will never get out of this like, hellhole, <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I mean, start, we'll start with your 80-20 though. Like, you know, the 80-20 right. rule applies here. So take your top 20% of your product, start working on that. As you right. see the lift and the momentum and the conversion rate increase, then you'll right. be motivated to, to keep going down the list. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, anyways, for everyone listening, look at that. Look at your product pages. See how you can turn those in to actual, uh, actual content pages. Um, a bunch of folks do this well. Solo Stove is like my go-to, um, just because I think their site's really, really cool. They they only have a couple products, um, so that's not like the best example for folks with tons of products. Um, but Solo Stove is doing it really, really well. Kelty is doing it really well. Kelty, by the way, is under. And, an and how do you spell? How do you spell Kelty? Oh, K-E-L-T-Y. They're a pretty, like, they sell backpacks. A bunch of folks listening might even have them. I They sell, like, sleeping bags and all of that jazz, too. Nice, nice. Um, but they are actually under an umbrella brand called Excel Outdoors, where they have 10 different e-commerce sites. Kelty and Sierra Designs are, are two of their most popular ones, but they only have two e-commerce people running those 10 sites Whoa. and they still managed to make all of their product pages incredibly informative. So yeah. that was a really good I'm example. Looking at a, I'm looking at a, a sleeping bag page right now. Yeah. Got all kinds of images like with someone in the sleeping bag and, and the different <laughs> ways to fold it. You got a dude yeah. in flannel with a beard, which seems totally fitting for an outdoor <laughs> company, but he's doing a video like showing the, the backpack and then yep, there's exactly. all the, all the specs and reviews. That is a beautiful product detail page right there. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Great. Uh, who else? So, oh gosh, who was, oh, Solo Stove. So Solo Stove, S- yeah. Yeah, S-O-L-O Stove. I'm on that side too. That is good too. Yeah. Um, let me see. Who else can I like think of off the top of my head? My goodness. Um, uh, 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 I don't know. Well, you know, one of the things, and then just to kind of get, just to kind of give a, a broad tip for a little bit, one, one of my favorite books, and if you haven't read it yet, you need to, 
It's called Why We Buy by Paco Underhill. Mm-hmm. He talks about uh, that he runs a company where they just for years and years have just observed the way people shop in a store and the way people open, you know, makeup and try it. You know, they sneak it and try it or the way, uh, you know, how people take stuff to the dressing room and just just the way people shop and uh, what what they need to do before they buy. And if you think about it, a good online experience is going to answer all the same questions you would have if you were looking at something in the store, where if I'm going to buy a stove and I really need a little education, I, you know, I may want to open it up or see the see the demo product and maybe I need to go grab a sales associate and have them demo and, and talk talk me through it. And so, you know, if you can recreate all those things online or maybe in some ways even do it better, um, you know, like the product demo and stuff, do you do that better online than in the store? I think that's what you need to go for. Like really making a rich shopping experience where where most people just make it easy to add something to the cart and that's it. Like, you know, picture, add to cart buttons, obvious, kind of skip the rest. Graphics. So like another good example here is like Bliss World Cosmetics. If you hop to one of their product pages, they have on there, like they, they list, you know, this product is free from, and rather than just listing parabens and, you know, cruelty-free, all of that jazz. They actually have like visual buttons that list those things. And that's because people are scrolling like crazy. You only have a hot second to catch someone's attention and convey the value. Graphics do that a lot better than just plain text do. Yeah. Yeah. That's great too. All right. Bliss, Bliss World Cosmetics. I dig it. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. So those were, those were phenomenal examples. Uh, let's move through. We'll kind of do uh, maybe that rapid fire is the way to say it, but we'll hit on these topics relatively quickly. Uh, I was just going through your blog, looking at some of the more popular posts and, and topics that I felt like would really resonate with, with listeners. And so let's talk about, about social influencers for a bit. So what, what has been your experience as you've talked to merchants or using social influencers? What, what tips or advice would you give there? Or, or maybe we start with some, some trends you're seeing in the e-commerce world uh, when it comes to social influencers. So the trend that that I'm seeing or that seems to be working best for folks right now is around micro influencers. One, it's because they're a lot cheaper and or don't cost anything. Um, it's more of a, a of a time thing that that you have to give to them. Um, but but influencer marketing, so social media influencer marketing in particular, has gotten very very expensive. Um, it's been like that for a while, and a lot of brands. Um, don't want to shell out that much money for something, right? Um, now, now social media uh, influencer marketing, if you have the budget, is very, very effective. I would actually like recommend to go to YouTube over other places, especially right. if you are selling products um, more geared toward folks in their like twenties, early thirties, or younger than twenties. Um, so you'd recommend uh, someone who's an influencer on YouTube over like an Instagram influencer potentially, or or even someone yeah. on Facebook. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, it 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 has um it has a, a like longer shelf life uh, mm-hmm. just based on on the algorithms that are happening over on Instagram and Facebook. Makes sense. Um, also, it's it's cheaper, so not, yeah. nonetheless. Um, but micro influencers, especially for for Instagram, um, are are super super powerful or can be. But I I, I mean I'm I'm looking at, at this this article that that you're mentioning because I know I've talked a lot about micro influencers on the blog, and I'm like God, I need to go back and like edit that because. All we're really talking about is building a community, right? right, right. Um, and again, this this goes back to the idea that if Amazon is the commodity market, what is it that your brand is providing that Amazon isn't? And community is a big part of that. Community is a way that way to convey value. Think, I guess, kind of harking back to my like naturally curly days. That's what we were doing. Like we built a huge community around 
actual natural hair issues. Like how do you take care of curly hair in a way that is impactful and important and that like actually works. And like, we don't encourage you to, you know, shampoo all the time or to shampoo like you're on an herbal essences commercial because that will make your hair fall out. Um, Like we, we built a, a really fantastic community over there, which grew us to, to a million people coming and reading from us every single month. But we also had, you know, we were very active on Facebook. We had forums. It was just phenomenal, by the way. A million uh, readers a month. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, 60% of the world has curly I'm like, man. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it got the attention of, of Condé Nast and Hearst because you look at brands like that and like, I mean, to naturally Curly's credit, I guess, but the brands like that aren't doing a fantastic job at building community. And community starts with getting micro influencers, these folks who maybe have a thousand to five thousand followers um, that their friends think are, you know, cool, um, getting them to really like your products and talk about them and build them into their lives in a really cool and effective way. Um, I know some girls here in Austin who do this really, really well. Um, their their company's called Bangs, Bang Shoes. Um, if you want to go look that up, B-A-N-G-S. They're, they're actually on Shopify, but neither here nor there. They are friends. Um, they do an incredible job at this. They have built a massive global community that just is in love with their shoes and in love with the message. Um, and they started with with micro-influencers. Very cool. Yeah, you're not going to out-convenience Amazon, but you can do better community. You can do better at personality because Amazon's mm-hmm. really pretty bad at both of those things. And so <laughs> I think, you know, getting the leverage from social influencers, and I totally agree, going micro-influencer makes sense, you know, find someone who who has a following and a loyal following and 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 then partner with them. And so that that's phenomenal. So we'll we'll link up to your article so people can check out awesome. more of that uh, goodness there. Um, and so let's let's transition. Again, we're kind of going smorgasbord here. Uh, uh, e-commerce funnels. So talk about you know how to set up these e-commerce sales funnels. Funnels are a word that's used a lot. We talk about it a lot at OMG Commerce where we're looking at you know shopping funnels and traffic sources for top, middle, and bottom of funnel. So we look at it more from a traffic perspective. You're talking more from a sales perspective. What, uh, how would you kind of frame this topic? And then what, in, what insights do you have on creating an, an e-commerce sales funnel? The number one question I get from a lot of the big commerce community that, that, that I talk to is, you know, a lot of them live in that 1 mil to 20 mil in annual revenue spot. And they want to get past 20 mil in annual revenue. Now, there's there's a lot of things that are happening uh, kind of like throughout that spectrum. And there are a bunch of people on the platform making more than that. But I but I talked to a bunch of those folks. Those are the guys who, who, who read our blog most often. And what I hear from them is, how do I, yes, grow faster and like continue the, this growth that I've been able to 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 sustain, but also how do I how do I save time? Like how how do I kind of get my life back, or how do I hire people and teach them? Essentially, how do I scale? Right. Um, and and the answer to that um, often is, do you have a good sales funnel? Um, sales funnels come incredibly in handy once you hit that one mil mark. And then once again, you hit that five mil mark, you're probably going to need to tweak that sales funnel and change it again. And then at the 10 mil mark and then at the 15 and then at the 20, like, like this is what the largest brands in the world do incredibly well as they build really, really great sales funnels. So the, the lesson here is 
you are spending money on um, bringing people into the top of your funnel, whether that is money that you're spending in terms of writing great content that's going to get people to your site organically, or if you're using, you know, PLAs, so Google Shopping ads, or if you are, you know, doing Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising, all of that. The reason that you were spending that money there, though, is not just to like throw money at the wall and have someone come and buy something from you and never come again. The reason that you were doing that is to get your product in someone's hand so much so that they love it, recommend it to other people and ultimately come back and also buy again for themselves. That that is the ideal funnel. And if you aren't thinking through it in that way, in my professional opinion, you are are throwing money at the wall. Your goal is to increase your return on ad spend as much as possible through through the lifetime value of that customer. So that means your return on ad spend, ROAS and customer lifetime value are two of the most important metrics that you can be measuring you can only effectively measure those if you have a good sales funnel in place. So that means you are um, spending money intelligently and in a way that is profitable at the top of the funnel in terms of Facebook advertising, for instance. But then you are also spending money and time in proper email nurture streams as well as loyalty programs or some type of customer personalization that keeps people engaging with you, that keeps them coming back so that you can ultimately spend more and compete better and against bigger competitors on Facebook, knowing that you can forecast appropriately and understand how many of those customers you're getting in at the top of the funnel that are actually going to come back and purchase from you again. Yeah. Once you can, once you can dial that in where you can drive leads at the awareness stage or at the top of the funnel, and you know that you'll be able to follow up with them and get them to convert. That's when like this world of possibilities open up to you because now you can start driving traffic at scale and, and, and you, you know what, you know, within a, a range, what your ROI is going to be, um, right. which is awesome. So, so who are some people that you would recommend, some merchants that really have a dialed in funnel? Who, who are some good examples? Yeah, a really great funnel. Um, man, so N- Notori is is one. And so one, I like if, if you ever go to like an e-commerce site and then you are followed by their ads really well, or, or like you immediately start noticing their ads everywhere, they probably have a decent funnel set up. Um, so Spearmint Love, is my like go-to one that I recommend to everybody one because the lots, so the, those are the people that, that you said own Spearmint it. Love is the name? Spearmint Love. Yeah, they, they sell baby clothes um, and, and items and they are just knocking it out of the park. It is ridiculous. They've, Sh- Cheryl Sandberg even like went to them, fa- like saw them, found them, went to them, did a video like essentially case study with them and used that for Facebook's Q3 earnings like wow. report wow. this past year, right? So they're, they're just knocking it out of the park. And the, the way that they're doing that is they're geeky as all heck about data. Um, the So Sherry Lott is is the founder and really the, the creative director behind it. But John Lott um, has, you know, he's he's the CFO over there and he, he's worked for a lot of um, like bigger name companies. I think he used to work for Quirky a long time ago. Um, But like the two of them together are just constantly A-B testing, constantly getting those Facebook ads up and out, constantly tweaking their nurture stream. Like they have built what like, like there are tons of brands like Spearmint Love out there, but only Spearmint Love is seeing the success that they are seeing. Like these people, they have maybe five or six of their own custom made products and then they resell items from merchants across the web. That is like, that's a very low margin business. Right. By and right. Large, it is. Right? It is. It is. 
yeah, it, it is hard to succeed with that. And man, these two folks are just killing it. And it's because they have a crazy smart sales funnel set up. When they spend money on an ad, they can tell you immediately how much more money they are going to get back from that ad, both immediately as well as from the customer lifetime value of those folks. Like that, it's it's just flat out amazing. Wow. And, that, and that's one of those things where uh, once you know that data and once you can understand lifetime value, but then also, you know, how different funnels convert. Again, it just, it, it opens up so many possibilities. You can do things your competitors are unable to do. You can spend money in ways that they can't, which is super powerful. So go check out Spearmint Love, uh, get remarketed by them, uh, join their <laughs> yeah, email list. Um, phenomenal site as well. And, and it, they just launched a registry. If you're having a baby soon, you can, you, you know, access. Sign up for that. There you go. Yeah. Um, any anything? Can you think of any specific thing they do really well, or any campaign you saw that was that was incredibly unique? Uh, and um, so they they do they do Facebook advertising incredibly well. I mean that that's kind of their their claim to fame, at least within the Facebook world. They are now part of the the Facebook Small Business Advisory Board um, and work really effectively with with those folks. Um, so I, I would I would go to their site, add a thing or two to your cart, yeah, then go to and Facebook. then see what they. Yeah, and then go to Facebook and see what they are retargeting you with. I know John Lott changes, like the ads that you get targeted with over there change often. Um, but also they, they are keeping track of when folks first land on their website and when they first do their remarketing because they are assuming that you have a baby, yep. right? So yep. they're they're looking at where at what products you were using and then over and then saying, okay, that must be the like age of their baby or their friend's baby or whomever. And then over time with, with Spearmint Love, you will be remarketed as though that child is growing. Mm, right? Very smart. Um, oh man, it's so smart. Yeah. Like they, they are doing some crazy, crazy cool stuff. Nice. Shout out to Spearmint Love. Very cool. Well, I, I'm actually glad that I will, I will not be a customer of Spearmint Love. We are, we are done in the, <laughs> the children department, but uh, awesome site and definitely going to check it out. So very cool. Um, and then finally, uh, last topic here, hot topic. Let's talk mobile payments. And you did mention this a little bit ago, um, you know, looking at, but because mobile payments are getting easier and more people are buying on their, their mobile device, that yeah. creates some, some content considerations and product detail page considerations, you know, making sure that's all uh, working well on mobile and educational and all that stuff. But what what are you seeing in terms of mobile payments? Because it's it still seems like there's not, you know, there's not one mobile wallet that's really taken off. You know, Apple Pay has got some adoption, but it's not huge. Yeah. There's not really anything else that's that's taken off fully. But but what what are you seeing? What are you hearing in terms of mobile payments? Yep. Um, Amazon Pay, not just a mobile wallet that works on digital as well, but Amazon Pay is knocking it out of the park right now. Making um, a deal with the devil there, some might say. But yeah, but I, I, I still agree like that. That can really work for some merchants, especially if you're already on Amazon. There's really not a lot of risk, probably. Well, even I mean, even if you don't sell on Amazon. So so um, Amazon Pay um, is essentially uh, it allows consumers to like click that button and it will pull their prime information like Amazon just released numbers right? Like what, like 80% of the U.S. population has a prime account, which is just like a crazy number dude. for sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's that don't quote me on that. I know it might not even be that high, but nonetheless, um, 
it, it will pull their their payment information over from Amazon and and just allow them to check out. You as the store owner get the payment, get the email, all of that jazz, right? So it's not like selling on on Amazon where where you don't get get that email. Um, it just makes it super convenient for the customer because they're like, oh, I know Amazon, I buy from there. Most Americans do. Uh, I trust them. And so they just click that button. It truly is a one-click thing. It speeds up checkout for everybody and it helps to reduce your, your abandoned cart rate. I, I, I know folks not selling on Amazon who are still using the Amazon Pay button yeah. and it is just knocking it out of the park. So that one is super important. Just did a quick check, just did a quick check online. You know, I'm sure there's lots of ways to calculate this. 80 million people, Amazon Prime mm-hmm. users, about 64% of the US population. That's according to yeah. Forbes. So anyway, you slice yeah. it, that's a whole lot of people. A lot of people, yeah. So, so just making it easier for them. Apple Pay is growing. More and more people are beginning to use that. Um, Apple Pay, oddly, I mean, I guess not oddly. Uh, if you have a higher price tag, I, like if you're more of a luxury product, um, Apple Pay seems to work better for you there. Um, I don't know if that's because you know people, maybe people who like more expensive iPhone things. iPhone users yeah. skew higher end, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so that seems to be working really well there. Also, if you are selling higher priced items like furniture, for instance, um, uh, consumer financing is is working really, really, really well there. Um, tools like Klarna, for instance, also allow for consumer financing even on mobile, and it's a really, really quick turnaround. Um, so I would, I, I would kind of think through that the way. Yeah. Yeah, where, where do you where do you kind of see that applying? So just just when when price point is above a certain amount, then yep. consider consumer financing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're selling furniture, really expensive watches, diamond rings, wedding rings, really expensive jewelry, stuff like that, folks are um, folks folks are clicking those buttons. And tools like Klarna pay you as the merchant all of the money up front, and then they take on the the risk and manage uh, the the con- consumer relationship with payments after that. Got it. Got it. Nice. Awesome. Uh, Phenomenal stuff. I know we went kind of rapid fire through a few of those. A few of those topics we could have, you know, shows, uh, individual shows, standalone shows on those topics. But I wanted to that'd be kind of fun since you're you know, get this unique perspective just to kind of go rapid fire on that. So uh, for people that are listening and saying, "Man, I gotta I gotta follow Tracy more, see what she's writing, see what she's doing." How can they uh, connect to you and, and some of your awesome blog pieces? We'll link to some of these too in the show notes at ecommerceevolution.com. But where can they find you there? And then where else on the interwebs can they can they find you? So on the interwebs, I am most often talking about business stuff on um, my Twitter. So it's just at Trace Wall. Um, the blog, our, our blog does have um, a weekly blog newsletter that I send out. I personally write it every week. Uh, you will hear background information on why the heck I'm even talking about the things that I'm talking about um, on, on the blog. So that that seems to be really helpful for, for, for folks. So you can just sign up for that on our blog. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram, though mostly on Instagram. It's just pictures of me and my fiance. So nice, um, don't nice. expect too much there. <laughs> All, right. All right. Very good. Uh, phenomenal. Well, Tracy, thank you so much. It's been a ton of fun. And uh, also another incentive for signing up for the blog. There's a pretty cool event. I don't know how much you can plug that, but an event that I partook in that you guys are going to be launching in the summer sometime. So did you want to tease that a little bit? Yeah. So we are going to be launching um, an an online summit um, that's 
kind of all that I could talk about. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, we're going to be launching an online summit gonna be um, awesome. later in the summer. Yeah. And, and ju- just to, I guess, kind of frame that a little bit again, I, like I said, I, I talked to a bunch of business owners in between that one mil to 20 mil mark. Um, and a lot of them really want information on how to kind of get past that, that, that 20 mil mark. They feel like a lot of that information exists at conferences in New York and Chicago and LA, and they live in, you know, Richmond and Kansas city and Phoenix. Um, so, so we're saying, Hey, we're, we're going to bring this stuff online for you. We're going to make it free. So stay tuned for that. Uh, it's coming very, very soon. We have a bunch of cool people talking. Brett is one of them. Um, but yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. Looking forward to it. So we'll, we'll promote that here on the show as well. And, uh, but sign up for the, the big commerce blog to be up to date on that as well. So fantastic. Tracy, thank you so much. This has been phenomenal. Thank you so much for having me. Had a great time. Very good. And as always, thank you guys for tuning in. We'd love to hear your feedback. So let us know what you'd like to hear more of. Let us know uh, some burning questions you have, hot topics we should explore. Uh, also, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. That that helps out our organic reach on iTunes. And then uh, leave us that five-star review if you feel so inclined. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.